0: Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going full soccer. Let's meet the new commissioner of the Canadian Premier League, Mark Noonan, as well as talk to Valor FC head coach and GM, Philip DeSantos, with their big matchup with Pacific FC coming up on Sunday. That's next on the podcast. Canadian Premier League yesterday named Mark Noonan as the new commissioner, taking over for David Klanekin, who stepped down in January. The 57-year-old native of Westport, Connecticut, brings with him two-plus decades of work in the sport. Spent time with the U.S. Soccer Federation, Major League Soccer. He was CEO of a club in Ghana, as well as other things in other sports like the World Surf League. Also worked with Gatorade for a few years. And on top of his job as commissioner of the CPL, he's also going to be CEO of Canadian Soccer Business. Had the chance to chat with Mark earlier today about what all this means, his new gig, and started by asking him naturally why he was drawn to this job.
1: The the opportunity, um, I think it would, if you follow football or soccer or sport, you just, you just see that, uh, soccer in Canada is exploding at, uh, at every, every level. Uh, obviously the success of the men's, the women's national teams. But what I loved about this opportunity is that this isn't, um, just a league. It's, Multiple assets under one umbrella, whether that's uh, representing the, the Canadian men's, women's, the men's and women's national team commercial rights. Um, obviously, we've got the Canadian Premier League and its clubs. We've got the uh, League One uh, from a development perspective, uh, and, and it's kind of that that suite of uh, suite of properties that's so excited because we can, you know, build from the grassroots all the way up to the highest level.
0: So explain. Beyond your role as CPL Commissioner, what does your job as CEO of Canada Soccer Business mean?
1: Yeah, so there's the two two different entities, and what I, the way I would explain it is that um, uh, you know we we have the the sporting side of things, which is you know playing on the field and players and everything else, and then we have the business side of things, and you know the the business side of things, which is handled by Canada Soccer Business, generates revenue from. Know, things like media rights and sponsorship and licensed products and, and things of that nature. And those revenues are what fund, uh, league one and the Canadian premier league and, and all this, all the things that you need to operate, um, the sporting side of the, the the game and host games and things of that nature. So, you know, that, that it's a very symbiotic relationship because you can't operate a professional sports league without revenue and can't, Canada soccer business is the revenue generation uh engine uh to fuel all the all the development
0: what do you think of soccer in Canada at this very moment do you think it's kind of on the on a climb to a peak that it hasn't seen before
1: no doubt I I said in my open remarks at my announcement yesterday that that there's never been a better time to be involved in the sport of soccer in, in Canada, whether it's the success of the national, national teams and what we're doing with League One, uh, the men's and the women's side of things, what we're doing with the with Premier League, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it, it's never been better. The, the, the great story is that we're just getting started here um, and there's nothing nothing but upside from, from this moment in time.
0: How far back does your relationship with the sport of soccer go?
1: As far as I can remember. It's in my, it's in my DNA. Um, I, I grew up outside of New York, uh, New York City, and I was fortunate that the New York Cosmos of the old NASL were the team I got to follow. And at the time, they had uh, a couple a couple pretty good players named Pelé and Franz Beckenbauer and Giorgio Canali and uh, Stevie Hahn, as well as some guys from my local town. Like Paul Hunter, um, so I had local idols that I looked up to and was able to to, to connect with. But I was also able to watch some of the, the greatest players who ever lived. And you know, ever since then, it's uh, it's been 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 part of my DNA.
0: So taking that and looking at the Canadian Premier League now, how important is it that there is a league? It's still a very young league that is successful and kids in winnipeg kids in calgary all over canada with these teams in their markets can see locally hey this is some pretty good soccer this is something i can do someday
1: absolutely absolutely critical and it's the cpl teams but it's also all the league one teams because if you look at um the 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 canadian national team rosters and men and women I, i don't know if half is the right number but a significant number of the players started right there in league one and all of a sudden they're Playing for the, the the national teams of Canada and and, uh, and and really living their dreams and there's nothing more important than um, being able to, uh, to witness great soccer in in your backyard and you know it's it's there's nothing wrong with watching you know the English Premier League uh, but you know, it, that's not that's not in your backyard that's not your home that's not really yours um, and and so we're giving opportunities. Um, to the next generation to connect in their own communities. And that, 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 that's critical.
0: Now you went to Duke university. I understand back in the 80s, won a championship there. My dad's a big Duke basketball fan. So I have to ask okay. if, if you ever interacted yeah. with the, the Duke basketball team back in the day, because that's right as they were getting into their heyday.
1: Yeah. So you, you date it was the 86, not 81. I'm not that old, but uh, you know, it was a, it was a funny, funny that you asked that because, um, Mike Sheshewski and the basketball team got to their first NCAA final in the spring of 1986 and they played Louisville and uh, it was uh, Purvis Ellison in Louisville um, defeated Duke. And um, it was probably a loss that coach K I think would admit that, um, you know, he, he, they were more, they were just kind of happy to be there that fall our team, uh, went to play in the national championship and our coach asked coach K to come talk to us before we flew out for the game. And he, he gave us just a, an incredible talk talking about how you're not going out there just to play a game and you can't be happy to be there. This is what we learned from our experience. And we went out and won the first national championship in any sport in Duke's history. So we 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 joke amongst ourselves that we taught Coach K how to win the big one.
0: There you go, and he ended up winning a number before retiring uh, this past and, year. Uh, tell me more yeah. about your experience working in Ghana and how how that helped you yeah. prepare for your job today.
1: You know, I, I think um, it was a phenomenal experience both personally and and professionally. Um, and I think probably the the thing that's going to probably help them, help me the most is. Um, Understanding different cultures, you know, I, I living in in West Africa, living as a minority, you know, making sure I was adapting and, and learning and understanding Ghanaian culture, um, not trying to impose my culture on uh, on them, and that served me served me really well over there. Um, you know, having to the you know, steward, um, uh, at that time was a hundred and seven year old football club, one of Africa's most storied clubs. And there was uh, a lot of skepticism at the beginning because I was the first uh, Caucasian man to you know, sit in the, the CEO chair of that club, and uh, it was uh, a, a wonderful experience. And I still have—you uh, know—I get WhatsApps every single day from from like my players and supporters that uh, that are really, uh, really, really fun to see.
0: And I understand that you had a bit of a a different kind of arrangement to purchase land for a new training ground when you were there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was a, that was, that was a fun, fun deal because the, uh, the, the tribal chiefs own all the land in Ghana and we wanted to build a training center and the, the terms of, uh, of our agreement included, uh, uh it, it's pretty much a cash-based society, but that's changing a little bit with mobile money. But for the most part, it was, it was a cash-based society. And then there were certain, um, you know, trade items that were important, and uh, and so the the four components of this particular deal were you know bags of cash, uh, a couple bottles of of peppermint schnapps, a case of beer, and a cow. <laughs> and and the then the cow had to be delivered. Another each a cow had to be delivered every year of the deal.
0: An annual a cow. cow, a new cow yeah. every year. Wow.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's there's again talking about talking about culture and adapting to culture. We we think it's kind of humorous, but you know over there this is you know there there are reasons why those items were included as part of it. You know the use of peyote and schnapps was for a ritual to to bless the ground in which we were going to build our training ground on, and you know there there are there are reasons for those things. And uh, you know it was it was it was wonderful for me to see you know what was important to to, to the other side of the equation to be able to to consummate that deal.
0: Now, you come into this job at a time when there is a a tiny bit of turmoil in in Canada soccer with uh, players boycotting a a friendly, trying to get a a better deal Mm -hmm. as they head into the World Cup. There have been uh, investigations as well in terms of uh, image rights deals between Canada Mm -hmm. soccer and CSB, which you're now in charge of. I know you're aware Mm -hmm. of these things, but how Mm -hmm. ready are you to, to take on... These kind of issues, we know that there's a lot of celebrating happening with Canada soccer right now, making the World Cup. But there are these issues as well for you to handle.
1: Sure. Um, So there's there's kind of I want to make it clear that there's when when you're talking about labor, there's two issues. There's you know the Canada soccer and they've got uh, labor uh, labor with both the men and the women's teams, and that you know that's Canada soccer and that's uh, our our good friend Earl Cochran and, and his team that are. Uh, negotiating those deals right now, and then there's Canadian Canadian Premier League players, which is uh, we have said to the Canadian Premier League that um, uh, we would be more than happy to sit down with them at the end of the season and talk about how do we how do we um, you know, benefit mutually mutually from our relationship. And I, the the thing I'll say from a macro standpoint is that there's not a successful league uh, sports league in the world that doesn't have dialogue with its players on a regular, regular basis. And sometimes that dialogue can be very difficult and lead to, you know, strikes and lockouts and things like things like that. And, but what it means is that um, there's something to discuss. There's something to perhaps debate about that there's value there and Canada soccer is growing and Canadian Premier League is, is growing and there's a discussion to be had. And uh, I, I, I far more welcome that than you know not having any value for anybody to discuss. Fair enough.
0: I'll, I'll catch you head, here on this. Is it weird taking over as commissioner for a season that's two thirds done?
1: No, not at all. It gives me it gives me a time to to make sure I can get to all the markets, and I look forward to coming to to, to Winnipeg. Um, but get to all the markets, meet with the supporters, meet with the. Uh, you know, club ownership and club management, see the facilities, uh, meet with the media, and, and, and really kind of understand the lay of the land uh, before we're, we're we're trying to uh, um, you know, get ready for uh, for a season. So I actually like I, I like the timing here.
0: Awesome. Well, Mark, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this and uh, congrats on the new gig. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again.
1: Yeah, that's it. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you having me on and uh, go, go out and uh, see the valor, valor everybody.
0: Sunday, afternoon, down at IG Field, Valor FC continues its push for the playoffs as they take on Pacific FC, and we welcome in now the head coach and GM of Valor FC, Philip DeSantos. Philip, how are you doing tonight?
2: Hey, I'm very good, you?
0: I'm doing well. First of all, I have to ask, since it's pups at the pitch game, A, do you have a dog, and B, are you allowed to have it on the sideline as you coach?
2: Uh, not allowed to have it on the sideline. Last I checked, uh, and I don't have one at, at home. Unfortunately, my daughter loves uh, pups and, and dogs, but my son's allergic, so we can't have one.
0: Oh no, that's yeah. too bad. Well, that's you. Yeah. You get to see them in the in the stands, though. I mean, I I don't know if that adds to the crowd noise if you have a bunch of barking dogs.
2: Well, if there's ten thousand fans, you know, you might have fifteen thousand uh, living beings in the
0: stadium. So yeah. Does that does that count towards the attendance number?
2: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to ask.
0: That's awesome. I'll All right. Well, the ask. game itself yeah. is a big one because you got Pacific FC coming in. They're coming off a, a pretty wild loss to uh, a team in the Concacaf League in the round of sixteen. They lose in penalties, and so they're eliminated yeah. from that. They're probably still stinging from that a little bit heading into this one uh, you Valor FC still fighting for the playoffs right now in fifth seven points out of fourth uh how I mean every game I get is big but this one specifically what's your feeling right now as we're about uh 43 hours away
2: yeah I think it's a big game but I felt that for the last few games I I think that the way the the way the the standings are right now it seems like every point's an important point and uh we We understand where we're at. It's a team that I feel last time we played them here at i g we were far superior um we got a Danny Ascanio sent off and and they turned the score around and uh, we still have that in the back of our head as well we 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 couldn't enter the game with with confidence and know that we could play these teams um and 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 not be afraid and no know, knowing that uh it's a good team they're the defending champions but the last two games we played them or the last three um we had, it was a 3-2 loss uh at um in in victoria and then we drew them there 2-2 and uh, we just came came here to play a, a very solid game against a team even when with 10 men so we are embracing this game with confidence we we know what we have to do and we're going to be good on the weekend
0: right now in the midst of a stretch of play where you play uh, seven of eight games at IG Field, you you mentioned the loss to Pacific, then wins over Calvary in York. You go to Halifax and lose one nil. You come back against Edmonton last weekend and you draw Edmonton one all their last place in the standings right now. Was that a match where you go in thinking you needed to get three points?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. I think that every game we play at IG, we need to have that mentality, um, especially when we play teams that are below us in the standings. But these are dangerous teams too. They have nothing to lose, and uh, when when uh, you give them a little bit of hope, like we did in that game where we conceded the time goal very early in the second half. Uh, then it becomes difficult because they, they close the spaces very well and we need to deal with that better. We need to make sure that we uh, we kill games when we get the lead and we didn't do it. So it's um, it's important that if we do get the lead on Sunday that we have the, the uh, maturity and the capacity to close the game and make sure that we get out of it with three points.
0: So right now, again, seven points behind Cavalry with eight matches left at the moment. Cavalry has played one extra game. So the three points tonight would bring you within five with seven matches to go. Are these calculations that you're doing in the coach's office? Or are you looking at how many points you might need to make the playoffs or are you just one game at a time?
2: No, we've done that since the beginning of the season. I think we have a magic number and we put that on our board and we go by segment of matches um, and we, we're on track. So, we We have to do our part, I think that you said it it's seven points with a game in hand could become four, and if we uh, and we have a direct confrontation with cavalry and I think there's there might be another team there in the mix if we if we do manage to get three points on the weekend, um we get closer to a team like Pacific. everyone has a difficult schedule at this point, so we know that anything could happen. There's a lot of games being played amongst the top four uh, even five teams. So, so I think that we have to, we have to do both to look at that magic number, uh, see how on track or how far we are, but, uh, but really prepare the games and, and prepare everything one game at a time. So we don't start looking at a mountain that could seem too high to climb. Um, we just need to go three points at a time. And I think that like I told the guys at the beginning of the week, right now we just need to be... It becomes a short-shot competition. We just need to be the best team over the eight games. If we do that, there's a chance that we we could ca- catch a couple teams that are right now ahead of us. We need to be the best out of the top five. Um, and let's just look at it, uh, forget a little bit of the past, and just look at what's ahead right now.
0: One game left against... Uh, Cavalry, as you mentioned, this is the last one against Pacific. A couple left against Forge, all of whom are right jammed together in the standings. Forge, Pacific, each have 35. Cavalry has 34. Ottawa in first right now at 38, though they've played two more matches than Forge has. The fact that you're playing Forge back-to-back games, because one was uh, postponed because of COVID earlier in the season, it's unusual to play the same team in consecutive games, and it's not some kind of you know aggregate playoff match. What's that going to be like playing those two games in short order, both in your own stadium?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's unusual, like you said. It's uh, but we we've been used to a little bit of that in the last maybe couple years with schedules being a little bit more challenging, and uh, yeah, it's not ideal. I don't like the idea, but we have to deal with it. I think that uh, it also brings a little bit less recovery. In between games uh, we just we just need to uh, realize that we're home uh, we're the team that right now is against against the cable so we need to react to that and I, I don't think right now you know there's a speech of fatigue I don't think right now there's a um, excuses that could be thrown in any way we just have to cope with things that are thrown at us and we have to do what we need to do. Right now, we're the team that needs the points. We're the team that is chasing and that's what, what we need to have in mind and just just go for it. I think that we're at a point where it's all or nothing for us and um, I want the guys to feel that that urgency. I want the guys to feel that responsibility and we're not hiding it from from them. Uh, could be two against uh, against Forge, could be two against any other team I think it, it adds an edge, it adds an edge uh, to to what those two games could be against a very good team, a team that has proven to be uh, very consistent in their performance throughout the season. But we, we're home, we're home, we know our arguments, we know what we have to do, and we're going to have to go for it. There's no other way right now.
0: Well, I wish you the best of luck this weekend, Philip. Appreciate your time as always, thank and you, we'll first. check in later thank on you. in the season here. Absolutely, thank you very much. Philip DeSantis is the head coach and general manager of Valor FC taking on Pacific FC Sunday afternoon. It is a 2 p.m. kickoff. Pups at the pitch game. Bring your dog. Have a ball. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long, and thanks for all the fishing. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you the You may not share our
2: intellect, i explain to this.